0: Welcome to another episode of our Theology on Tap-inspired podcast, Theo on Tape. My name is Grace Terlinden, and I'm Rihanna Doyle, and we are members of the SJU FACE student team. I'm so excited you've decided to tune in to this conversation because we'll be learning more about the Benedictine value of stewardship and how we can care for creation on our campuses. Joining us today is Dr. Derek Larson. Derek Larson is a professor of history and environmental studies here at CSBSJU. He carries extensive knowledge of our beautiful outdoor setting on these campuses and the Arboretum at St. John's. And he has already shared some of his knowledge with our faith community by joining us during our retreat, Prayer in the Woods, this fall. Thank you for sharing once again, some of your time with us, Derek. We are so excited to have you join us today.
1: Thanks. It's my pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: So can you start us off right away by explaining what the Benedictine value of stewardship is?
1: Sure. So that's actually not a simple thing to do in some ways. Um, Sometimes we'll see or talk about the Benedictine value of stewardship and the 1500 year tradition of Benedictine stewardship for the the earth and its resources. But I don't think that's really an accurate way to, to frame it. Uh, while our Benedictine forebears, you know, 1500 years ago, certainly um, lived lightly on the earth, often by choice, this concept of stewardship, of caring for the environment that we have today, is really a modern idea, uh, probably a product of the 1970s and 1980s, actually. So while there's a very long tradition of Benedictine, uh, a Benedictine relationship with the earth, and we can look in the rule to find places where our modern ideas of stewardship. Uh, can resonate. Um, what we think of as Benedictine stewardship is a is a fairly recent thing, actually, and it basically uh, is rooted in the idea that. Um, uh, all of creation is sacred, right? Everything that God has created is sacred and thus deserves to be treated as if it is sacred, right? And In fact, in the rule, Benedict says that we are to treat or monks are to treat all the tools of the monastery as if they are sacred tools of the altar, right? So the chalice is, is sacred and vital, but so is the hoe and the shovel, right? These tools that are used in, in work. And the extension of that sort of philosophically to all of creation Ultimately for Benedictines means that um, we are surrounded by the sacred all the time. The forests, the lakes, the trees, the animals, the birds, the plants, everything around us uh, created by God and therefore sacred deserves to be treated as such. So Benedictine stewardship uh, really is a kind of way to put theological meaning to a a much older idea um, from other North American thinkers like John Muir, for example, who in the late 1800s Uh, started to argue that wilderness was the best pathway to God, that we could get the closest to God by being in nature, away from human creation, and and closer to the perfect creations of God. And he argued that we should care for those things appropriately as a result. Benedictine stewardship on one level is kind of the same idea. Uh, Everything around us, all of the earth, the community of life uh, is sacred, and we have an obligation to help care for that. And that idea and really the creation care idea that you'll see in other religious traditions as well particularly um, that language is often used by evangelical christians today uh, reflects a rejection of an older idea that was really rooted in a you know three or four hundred year old tradition of believing that well everything on the earth was there for us to just use up as we want because what matters is the life after right None of that stuff is sacred. Animals don't have souls. Who cares what happens to the trees? We'll use them up as we will. Over time, we began to put limits on that. But the idea of creating a theology around ecology, if you will, is a fairly modern thing. So short answer, Benedictine stewardship is really rooted in this idea that creation is sacred and we as humans uh, created in God's image have an obligation to care for it and that we're part of a community of life that expands beyond the, the human community to include the rest of the earth.
0: So our second question is, how has the COVID-19 pandemic impacted the issue of climate change and care for creation? And what does this mean for us?
1: Well, that's a really a good question. Um, Practically speaking, I think there's some sort of obvious things that are that are really interesting. If we look at how particularly last spring when we had kind of shutdowns of the economy, uh, particularly in, in Western Europe and across the United States, North America, we saw immediate reductions in greenhouse gas emissions we saw, and you may remember this from the news, clearing skies over Beijing and other cities where uh, the pollution from industry and automobiles and um, energy production uh, was lessened enough that you could actually you know, see the clouds and see the sky and see farther uh, into the distance. So one thing that happened was this kind of immediate concrete effect because we stopped doing some of the things that we regularly do that impact the earth temporarily at least, we stopped, we could see the difference. Cleaner water, cleaner air. um, And you probably also have seen cases um, where wildlife are showing up in areas where they hadn't been before, right? Coyote and deer and stuff walking through streets and towns because there's less traffic and fewer fewer people around. So um, one of the effects of COVID in that sense was that it showed us, one, how big our impacts are, right? Our collective impacts on the environment but also I think how resilient nature is and how quickly it can start to recover if we stop doing the things that are having those negative impacts. So I think there's there's that piece in particular, um, which at the very least raises some awareness of you know how, how things could be different if we made different choices uh, about, in particular, our generation of pollution. On the creation care side, um, I would certainly suggest that the crisis, and particularly in the United States, where we have seen over a quarter million deaths and um, several million people infected, uh, has made us all more conscious of the, the sort of, I don't know, the I'm not sure what word I want to use actually, the, the risks that we face, the, the uncertainties that we face, the idea that we're maybe not as permanent as, as we might think, right? Our vulnerabilities have, have come to the fore and have made a lot of people write and speak about how they're maybe more appreciative of just the little things that they see day to day, the sunrise, a pretty flower, a bird, a chance to go for a walk, right? Things that we might have taken for granted or not thought of at all, perhaps a year ago, um, have taken on greater significance in this crisis um, and in our isolation as well. So. I guess I'd say that COVID has had some positive effects, if you want to put it that way, in terms of raising people's awareness of and appreciation for creation. And also, at the same time, I suspect raised our awareness of our vulnerabilities as individuals and our vulnerabilities as a species to the same things that everything else on Earth is vulnerable to. In this case um biological threats right Uh, a disease that arose in another species and transferred through biological processes into ours that could happen anytime any place and does and has throughout history and um this time our our science and our political systems weren't able to stop it from becoming a crisis and that could happen again right so i guess it it shows us that we're we're part of creation, just like everything else. And that brings with it some vulnerability, I guess, right? So I don't know, knocks us off our high horse might be a crass way of putting it. We can't be quite so confident that we can control nature um, or that that we're in control even of, in some ways, our, our daily lives. So I, I guess the, the direct short-term effect of COVID would be some new awareness actually of of what it means to be human and uh, what it means to be part of a broader system of life on the planet it'll be really interesting to see five years from now perhaps what the longer term impacts are right Um, was this temporary and we just go back to the way things were a year ago once we've got a vaccine or do people think maybe i'm gonna live my life a little differently now or maybe we change some of our priorities as a society um, in ways that are positive as a result oh that remains to be seen right I think we have to we have to first things first we've got to get a vaccine and 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 figure out a way to keep people safe but then um, I think it would be my hope that looking forward we're a little a little more open to change and a little less focused on like what's best for me or what's best for us and can think a little more not only socially about human society, but a little more broadly about the planet. Um, And if nothing else, um, this this COVID uh, crisis has shown how quickly we could change if we wanted to, right? The changes we've made have um, not necessarily all been good, but in some cases, they've been really good for the planet, right? We're driving a lot less. We're using a lot less resources in some ways, in some areas than we had before. Uh, And maybe we don't need to go back to the old way,
0: so as we become more aware, how can we get involved in caring for creation on our campuses and in our own communities?
1: That's a great question. Um, I'd hope that ultimately students when they come to St. Ben's and St. John's are uh, experiencing that you know invitation to, to contribute and to join. Um, people are coming from different backgrounds and different places, um, different family situations. So while some students may come in being well aware of um, the crisis of the climate, um, our ecological limitations, some of the things we can do. Others may have no background in that at all. So I would hope that there's um, a level of community education that happens that you know, just like our students learn to sit down on the link until it's their turn to get off, maybe they'll also learn about recycling and um, perhaps carpooling and uh, turning off lights and other little things that can be done to uh, lessen our, our imprint on the earth but um, in, as far as getting involved, I think there's just, there are lots of opportunities for students in particular to be engaged um, you know, proactively in little things, just thinking about their own lifestyles and the choices they make uh, in terms of consuming energy and other resources, um, the activities that they engage in, and how those might affect not only you know, the environment or the earth, but other people right? Um, one of the key points that comes out of um, Pope Francis's encyclical from five years ago now, Laudato Si, on care for our common home uh, in English, was the idea that the climate crisis is a moral issue. In fact, he said it's it's the moral issue of the 21st century, and that our technology has moved faster than our society in terms of thinking about the consequences of our actions. So I would hope that students not only learn Uh, And experience opportunities to kind of get involved with, um, you know, basic things like recycling, reducing waste, um, you know, making good choices about energy, but also uh, get involved in conversations and, and even classes that start to really push some of those harder questions about, well, you know, is the structure of our economy just And not only just in terms of its impact uh, and distributions of wealth, for example, but just in its effect on the broader planet. Um, Is it moral for people in North America to consume 25 times as much energy uh, on a per capita basis as people in South Asia, perhaps? Is that something we want to talk about? Or other resources, right? We're, We're very large consumers. As north americans on average um, and we contribute quite disproportionately to the the climate crisis Um, and i think we could talk about that at benedictine institutions in a benedictine context right not just an economic context or just a scientific context but one that recognizes the ethical moral theological aspects of those questions so ideally I would, I would hope that you know, students might leave St. Ben's and St. John's not only aware of the, these problems and um, willing to do something about it, but hopefully equipped with some tools so they could go out into their communities or their business or you know in public service or as teachers or in healthcare or whatever role they take on and be a force for positive change. And in some cases that positive change is, is literally just opening up conversations with people, having people talk about, um, some of these challenges and and maybe in particular, perhaps the moral and ethical aspects of what have kind of become political and economic conversations for us, right? Oh, we can't reduce carbon emissions because that would hurt the economy. And no one's talking about the impact on people in the global South, for example. Um, well, what if we did start that conversation um, talking about justice and equity uh, or the morality of us being such disproportionate users and consumers of of um, natural resources and uh and concurrently such disproportionate producers of of pollutants frankly so i i think there's a lot of things we can do Uh, we can get involved on campus we can join clubs and organizations we can organize on our floors and our residence halls we can do you know all manner of things that will have immediate impacts here and now on our campuses but i think more I hesitate hesitate to say more importantly, but more in the long term, I would hope that um, everyone in our community, uh, whether they're here for a long time or here for four years, uh, is kind of awakened to the the moral issues behind uh, these environmental questions we're asking and um, leaves equipped with some tools to be a force for positive change.
0: And then our final question for the day is, how do you feel called to continue your work in this strange time? And how would you call on CSB SJU students?
1: Yeah, it's particularly tough when we're not actually able to be in the same space, right? Um, we, we miss the fellowship, we miss the opportunities to casually interact with one another. Everything we do is mediated through screens like we're doing right now. Um, it's it's a real challenge, I think. and particularly this fall it's all we can do to just sort of get by right we're 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 surviving we're trying to do the best we can to support one another we're making necessary short-term decisions to keep things going and in some cases that's meant we've made um, less good environmental choices in order to keep people safe and that's fine that that's something that we need to do but In the longer term, um, I'd hope that we can, again, kind of go back to the deeper issues underlying some of the choices we make uh, and thinking a little bit more about what our priorities might be. So I guess I feel called to continue working partly because I'm thinking about the future and we'll get through this crisis in another six months or a year, however long it, it takes. And I don't want us to go back to the way things used to be. I want us to go forward to something better. And I think the the reflection that comes from this time and the challenges we're facing and um, the opportunities we have for maybe new kinds of interaction As much as it's a pain to have to do this over a screen and the internet, it also means that distance isn't a factor, so we can have conversations with more people in different places uh, with people that would never have the opportunity to come and visit us on campus. Um, We can reach out and extend our circles of engagement that way, so I would call on students to you know do what they need to for themselves, engage in self-care and be sustainable in your own lives to the extent that you can in the short term, but be mindful of the lessons that we're learning right now about the importance of social interaction and community and supporting one another, Um, but also the little things that we might observe about how the changes that COVID's forced on us aren't necessarily all bad. And that some of them are changes that we could employ in the future as goods. Uh, one quick example would be: um, you know, a year ago, we would have routinely been moving back and forth between campus all day to go to meetings. Next year, maybe we do that meeting on Zoom, and 10 people don't drive between campuses in 10 cars by themselves. The meeting wouldn't necessarily be any worse. We're getting pretty good at Zoom now but we would have taken 10 cars off the road for 10 minutes each. And if you multiply that out times you know, the number of trips that are involved in a year or you know, similar kinds of things, we might begin to realize that, okay, we don't want to Zoom all the time. And maybe we don't want our classes to be in Zoom, but a lot of our 20 minute meetings between campuses would be better if we did it this way instead of moving people around in cars, right? Uh, or maybe we say, wow, that year of isolation, that was pretty tough. Now that we're out of it, I'm gonna look for people and share a ride and we'll put four people in the car instead of me rushing over to class by myself in my car. Little things like that. Um, Food, meals, fellowship, right? The idea that um, we can't be together right now but we can sure look forward to being together six months from now, nine months from now, right? So the, the lessons that we learn from this, I think are, are things that should make things or give us the opportunity to make the world better going forward. Maybe it's little things, just being nicer to people. Um, and maybe it's big things. Maybe we make structural changes in the way we run the college and the university, uh, the way we run residence life, the way we organize our daily lives. Um, I'm not sure. Um, but in the short term, I think I would I would hope that people... You know, use this opportunity, if we want to call it that, to reflect and to think about what they miss from the before times and to think a little bit about what we could maybe give up from the before times that might have a positive benefit for us as individuals socially um, or for the planet going forward. Um, So, you know, right now we're all called just to get by. We're going to do the best we can to keep safe and to stay engaged and productive, but it would be It would be a shame if we went through this and came out of it unchanged.
0: Derek, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us today. We appreciate your time and are grateful for your continued support of this community.
1: Certainly, I appreciate it. It's a pleasure to talk with y'all and I wish everyone well and good health.
0: Thanks for tuning in and for being part of the conversation. Keep an eye out on Instagram and Facebook at SJU Faith for more information on new episodes headed your way soon.